four, three, two, one. Good afternoon, everyone. It's Wednesday afternoon in beautiful Alpharetta, Georgia. It's time for What's Your Point? Live from Cutter Cigar Emporium on Windward Parkway. Now, I say beautiful in as much as at least we're above ground today. But it's been uh, a little sleet, a little rain, keeping around 35 degrees. It's, uh, it's just nasty. It is. It is. But this is a place where you can come and get warm because I'm sure we'll warm you up with our opinions and our views. we got so many great things to talk about today. Basically, we'll talk about the debates. We're going to talk about the NSA and more problems for the Hildebeest. And uh, we've, got, uh, we've got some other issues. We're going to continue our two-part series on reminding you of the numerous, uh, 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 how should we say, the well, transgressions that, that have come from this uh, former first lady. Or the bigger issue, do people even care? Are people's minds made up one way or the other? Uh, whether either you're, you're going to vote for her and hold your nose and not care, or you're not going to vote for her no matter what, uh, you know. Right. You know, I, th I think out of, out of the people who will vote, I would be willing to say right now that 90% are decided. That 90% are probably decided on their candidate. I, I think the party affiliate, that, that's probably 97, 98%. I don't know. I don't know that it's you that. Think there, do you think there are that many people on I the fence really do. as to who they're going to vote between Bernie Sanders and Ted Cruz? Yeah. I, 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 don't, well, I don't. Not between Cruz. Not between Cruz and 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 I got to say, you know, uh, and, and we'll get into the we'll get into that more in depth. But we've started out while the football season still exists. We had some playoffs last weekend. I had an opportunity to be in uh, outside of Charlotte. I was in Pinehurst, North Carolina. Beautiful city. The people over there were amazing. Very friendly. Found a great little cigar store over there called Matchbox and it was small and I thought you know you would think that in a place that had a lot of golf courses that there would be a lot of cigar stores I mean he's he's got the only cigar store in about 20 miles I mean it was That's really business to have yeah but uh, his winter hours were uh, 10 to 5 his summer hours are 10 to 6 so he doesn't uh, he's not a guy that likes to keep his store open late but regardless we got to spend one night there and meet, met some great people but one of the gentlemen we met there was a uh, guy who knew a lot about the history of golf in the area. And he said, do you realize how many golf courses there are in 10, 10 square miles of here? And I said, no. He said, 40. And he said, you 40 golf courses in 10 miles of Pinehurst. And Pinehurst, of course, is famous for <coughs> Pinehurst number two, which is the famous golf course where all the big PGA tournaments have been. <coughs> and they... Had a pretty big one there within the last year or two. And so he said, yeah, that he said to play during the season if if you could get on. About five to six hundred dollars a round before the caddy fees. I don't like golf that much. I don't like golf more than about sixty dollars. So you're looking at caddy fees. I said, well, what's a caddy get? He goes a hundred around plus tip. I'm like, okay, yeah. He said, "Now that's of course you can now one you know a lot of caddies will take two bags, so you still get a hundred bucks, but then you double the tip." But anyway, so it was very very interesting, and I happened to be of course it's right near Charlotte, and our demo on Sunday we took a break. <coughs> Man, I got a frog or something in there, but anyway, so bear with us. Be a toad I if it was in there. Really? Well, that's a big throw. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, there's your first shot. Uh, in the opening salvo. But um, 
No, it was uh, it was Carolina playing the Seattle Seahawks. And, of course, I have – anybody that knows me, I have a great disdain for Pete Carroll. Not the Seahawks so much as Pete Carroll. I hate Pete Carroll. And this goes back to his collegiate days at USC when, you know, I've always been a diehard Notre Dame fan. And, and I always thought he was a cheating so-and-so, and he was. And then when he got caught, he bails for the NFL. Make millions big, of dollars. Yeah, big fat contract. And then his team has to go through the death penalty and all the crap that went with it. And they had to rebuild for three or four years. And they're just now starting to get back to where, they're, where they kind of were before Pete Carroll left. And uh, so it's great to see Carolina come out and, and stick it to him in the first half. But traditionally, they came back, and it, it turned out to be a pretty good game. We didn't get to see the second half because we were doing cooking demos at the time, but I just heard it. It made it interesting. <laughs> yeah. You know, I saw some of the replays. But uh, here's the thing, though, and, and this bothers me about it, and this and, and, and this is an issue that I think uh, more on a sports talk show, but we're just going to get your opinions on this. You know, I have a real hard time when a coach – takes a team and gets all the wins but then gets caught and then he has the right and the ability to just walk away from the team and all the penalties and everything else and jump right to the NFL. Well, that's the NFL's fault. It's, yeah, you, it's, can't blame, it, you can't blame the coach. No, I, well, you can. Well, I mean. but you would do the same thing, you know, if, if you had an opportunity to move on and make millions of dollars and, and not have to stay with a team in college that was being penalized the way Southern Cal was being penalized, the, that comes down on the NFL's responsibility well, I think, I to think not reward a, these guys. And, and you're right. I mean, it is the NFL at the end of the day. But here's the thing. I think there ought to be a, a rule that the NFL installs, which I'm sure they never will. But it's something that needs to be talked about. You know, Chip Kelly did it. He left Oregon in a cloud, but it wasn't nearly as bad as what, what Pete Carroll did. But he jumped, didn't suffer any of the slings and arrows. Um, I would think that this would be my compromise. If you're an NFL team, there ought to be an agreement between the NFL and the college. And, you know, they have an agreement. They're not going to take kids before they play. But they got to finish their sophomore year. And if they're a hardship, they can go. Or if they can prove that they need to go, they'll let them go, which they usually do. But here's the thing. I would like to see the NFL come out and say, all right, if you get caught cheating and your team gets the death penalty for however long it is, you are not allowed to coach in the NFL until the sanctions, the death penalty sanction against your college team is done. And it's never usually what, more than a couple years? Three years. Yeah. So, I mean, for three years, you got to sit out. I think, I think it would help both the NFL and their, and their uh, image. I think it would do great for the uh, college coaches, too, because then they don't have that out. Because usually it's the coaches that get caught are high-profile, big programs. Sure, and they, so they're, they're, they're willing to, t to run the risk, get the big paycheck, and then jump to the NFL because they've got their, they got their street cred by then. So I'd like to see that. What are your thoughts, Greg? No, I, I've always thought that the NFL should, <clears throat> should not um, condone the misdeeds of a, and reward the misdeeds of a college coach. But um, with money the way it is and, and these guys having a name and a reputation and Oftentimes coming into a situation in, in an NFL city where they need something, they, they need a, something to jumpstart their program, uh, the temptation is always going to be there for these guys in, in, until they come up with a rule like that. But it would be a good rule to have. I think it would be an awesome rule to have because, first of all, it tells the college coach if you're going to cheat, you can't get rewarded if you get caught. So it might, it might increase the integrity of the college program. But then it makes the program look a little bit, the, uh, the football program a little better, and it gives assistant coaches 
or other guys that might not have gotten a coaching job a shot that have, that have paid their dues in the NFL and kept their nose clean. So for me, I think it's a win-win for both sides. It's something that I've, I've been very adamant about, but I can't see that. You know what I get? I get the answer, much like we'll get into some of the answers uh, talking about the debates. But I get to say, well, you know, the NFL is never going to change. That's the way it's always been done. Well, you know what? If, if that's the attitude we're going to take, then of course nothing's going to be done. But why can't we stand up and just say, okay, instead of just blowing it off and saying, okay, why don't we just do something about it? Because you cannot show me anything that is harmful to either side. If it's a win-win for both sides, I don't see, I really don't see how they can't instigate it. Because college corruption, you know, every time Alabama wins, everybody's like, oh, well, Saban's going to have his day. Saban's going to have his day. You know, and, and inevitably, the mega programs, you never know. You never know. Well, I, I think the problem would be the devil would be in the details because what you would have is you would have these endless investigations of guys who moved into the NFL, people going back into their, their collegiate careers and trying to find something that, well, would, that would prevent them from, from but see, getting But see, it doesn't count. It doesn't count unless they, like Carol did, like Kelly did, if the investigation is heavy and going down on your program, you are ineligible to be a... But he was already at Seattle by the time they, the the penalties came down. Well, but the investigation should at least put him on hold, and force him to stay with the program for another year until the, until the sanctions come out. I don't think that's tough. I mean, the university. No, it wouldn't be that hard to do. No, it really wouldn't. And and I would like to see it because, after all, there are many questions about the NFL as well as college football that 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 rise every year. I just, I, I think it's something as we do on this show, we try to do conversations that will stimulate further conversation around the dinner table. Because after all, what we talk about, whether it's facts that we present from sources or whether we just give opinion, the idea is to get you thinking about things. And if you just take a few minutes and think about it, I mean, it really makes sense. And it would be interesting to see. We could call it Colonel's Law. <laughs> that would sound nice and militaristic, wouldn't it? Yeah, I well. mean, Kate's Law, Colonel's Law. I mean, it's got a nice ring to it. Well, anyway, I, I, it was just my, just my. It, it, were you, were it, you it, happy with the results this weekend? I was kind of rooting for the Packers, um, but that was I, a heck of a finish. I, but but, I, but you know what? I, Arizona is a great team, and and I don't have a real problem with them winning. Uh, I, Coach with a great story. Yeah, um, I, I think the only team that I'm really rooting against right now would be the Patriots. Uh, yeah, yeah. Any of the other three teams, I'd be happy for. Well, now. You know, you pay closer attention for a lot of reasons to uh, pro football and college football. Brady Manning, what a great – that's going to make a Sunday night worth sitting around the television for. What, do, what are your thoughts? I think uh, it's going to be disappointing for a lot of Peyton Manning fans. I just don't – my, my feeling is – You've got to score 27, 28 points to beat the Patriots, and, and I don't think that they're going to be able to score that many points. I, I think this game is going to probably come down to something like uh, maybe 28 to 17, something like that. But you don't think, though, that, I mean, for many years they talk about the fact if you've got a great defense and a decent offense, you can win. I mean, Denver's got a great defense. The best defense I've seen them in the playoffs for a long, long time. And I really think that this could be a problem for Brady. And I, I, I think it could keep his scoring down to where Manning might be able to put up enough points. Now, 
if Manning hadn't had as much time off as he'd had, if he hadn't, you know, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of advantages going to Manning that he hasn't had in past years when he's played Brady, and I think it would be. I, I didn't think he looked particularly that good Sunday. I, I, you know, the, their defense kept them in that game against Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh mm-hmm. was banged up too. That's another thing you can't mm-hmm. forget about. Their offense was not firing on all, all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they, they defeated a weakened Pittsburgh team, and they're coming back against a Patriots team that's healthy right now. Yeah, they're pretty healthy, and that's that's the only advantage that I give to. They've got uh, Edelman back. Yeah, that that was a, that's a biggie. That's a yeah. biggie, and and so. That it'll make it should make for a pretty good game. I don't yeah, think we'll see. I don't it. think that I don't know that Denver has an answer for Gronkowski. How do you stop him? Uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I mean, they've they've got the crowd obviously in their in their favor, but um, the weather is not going to be that bad. It's in fact I think it's going to be above freezing by game time. It's the early game on Sunday. It's not the late game. So, like I say, I think it's going to be around 28 So, 17. your prediction for the Super Bowl? I'm predicting that it's going to be a Patriots and Carolina Super Bowl. And it'll be it'll be a really good matchup. And and uh, th- and I'm going to I'm of course I don't I'm not nearly as in tune with it as you are, but I'm I'm going to go on a limb here, okay? I'm going to say it's it's Denver and Arizona. And I I I you know, I'm not doing it statistically. I mean, I think I think they're both both clubs are evenly matched in who they're going to play, so it's not going to be a tremendous shock either way. The NFC game is going to be a fantastic football game. Those teams, those teams are very evenly matched. Um, I don't know where y- you give the edge maybe offensively to Carolina, mm-hmm. but, uh, but then, you, you know, you've got Larry Fitzgerald who's having a fantastic year oh and God. a guy that's, that's due for a ring. So anything could happen in that game. Uh, but both games are going to be outstanding, so it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and speaking of fun to watch, I thought that this uh, last Republican debate, which of course happened last Thursday night, it's one of the downsides yeah. to being a, a once-a-week show. Is you know it's kind of been out in the news for a while. But I but the good part about it is we've had a chance to analyze all the talking heads and and listen to all the programs that we listen to, check all the news sources we listen to, look at polls and everything else. I thought that it was a um, it was probably the most there was, it was the most entertaining debate of all of them, but I don't know that there was any information that was really gleaned that would change minds as much as uh, it was just an entertaining debate. Well, they're, they're starting to get uh, – the, the, the three front runners are clear at this point, I think. I, I, you're not going to get any dark, dark horses come up, I don't think, at this point. It's going it's to come down to Trump, Cruz, and Rubio. And so those three are starting to really, really hit each other pretty hard. They really and, are. And it's interesting to see the, the the split now between Trump and Cruz, where they were earlier, you know, back in the fall, they were they were like bosom, bosom buddies. They were they were not getting on and each see, other. They were not attacking each other. Up. And and here we have Trump calling him a nasty guy. He's a, nobody likes him. You did. But, but isn't that the point? Nobody, he, when he says nobody in Congress likes him, well, yeah, that's the whole point to Ted Cruz. <laughs> he's not going along with business along. as usual. That's right. And he's, he's standing by his values. He's standing by what he believes in. And he was fighting the good fight. And what, what bothers me, listen, I, I've, given, I've given Trump plenty of his due for a lot of good things that he's done. And we said about two debates ago he's going to have to mellow out or he'll never do it and he did 
He mellowed out a little more and a little more. He was much less vitriolic. He was much, he was, uh, much less um, offensive in the way he answered things. And then all of a sudden, this birther issue came up. And this thing just drives me absolutely crazy. You know, this was, this was brought about by Trump because he knew, and he admitted it. He admitted it to, to Neil Cavuto. He admitted, you know, if, if he was still way ahead as he thought he would be in all these states, he wouldn't have brought it up. As Cruz so appropriately brought out, well, you know, in September, he said your lawyers had looked at it and everything was good. And he said, guess what, Donald? The uh, Constitution hasn't changed since September. And the thing that gets me about this is up until then, Trump was just bombastic. You know, if you said something to him, he'd just rip you with just almost almost um, high sophomoric responses. You know, oh, you're an idiot. Oh, you're this. Oh, you're that. But Cruz, who had an opportunity early on to jump on the bandwagon and slap Trump around, chose not to do so. And he could have easily did it, have done it because everybody else did, but he was the only one that remained above the fray. If he wanted to attack Cruz about issues like Rubio brought up some good points at the very end of the debate about some of the issues Cruz had gone back and forth on. But to be honest with you, my friends, I got to tell you, you, there is not a candidate, not even Ronald Reagan, that I agreed with everything that he, that he stood for, everything he agreed on. I had a great, great, great poli-sci instructor who was to the left of Nancy Pelosi, but he was, a, he was very open-minded, and I was the Reagan conservative in his class, so he always threw the red meat out there for me to pounce on it so he could get the liberals in, the, in this class to really stimulate the debate. He was a master at doing that, but he said, at the end of the day, if you've got a political candidate that you can look at and say, I agree with 70% of what he says, then you've got a great candidate whether it's on the right or whether it's on the left. And I truly agree with that. And but, but now Trump has taken on to Cruz in almost an Alinsky-like attack that is feeding the meat to the, to that, the media. And to me, that diminishes That's any Donald respect. Trump, though. He's, he's very thin-skinned, and he's not used to being criticized. And as his lead shrinks and he comes under attack for, I think, legitimate reasons there's just not a lot of substance to this guy and and he's a showman and like we've always said he's a carny barker and he he knows like you were just saying where the red meat is and 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 he's smart enough to go after those issues very superficially and just stir the pot i think it's been important because he's brought the issues up but his solutions and his 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 rhetoric is really coming back now to haunt him He, he looks more and more foolish with each passing day and 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 the the bitter attacks against a guy like Ted Cruz are not going to help him. Uh, I, I I'm already starting to to, to start, start to see it, and you can kind of just by scanning social media every day, going to a couple different sources, you can see the people who have really dug in their heels for Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not gonna let's just say I'm not gonna put them among the intellectual elites <laughs> of the conservative movement. Oh no, oh no, and and I think. I think, you know, the two big moments, I think, in the whole debate was when uh, Trump brought up the birther, or they brought up the birther issue. I think, I think he knocked it out. I think Cruz won that hands down. The first hour, there was nobody even close to Ted Cruz. I mean, the first hour, he, he knocked it out of the park. And then they got on to the New York values issue. And you know what? I think Cruz answered it exactly the right way. 
And I know a, a, a lot of the talking heads on a lot of the networks were saying, oh, that was, that was Donald's moment by bringing up 9-11. First of all, 9-11 had nothing to do with it. It had nothing to do with New York values. Okay. And when Cruz came out and said, well, I love what he said to Bartolomo because she brought up the question and she said, well, I don't know it. He goes, well, I know you're from New York, Maria, and I get that you don't get it. And it, it got a big laugh and everything. And he says, let me explain what I mean by New York values. And he was absolutely right. Because if you're a conservative, a true conservative, if you're from New York, 90% of them, look at all the people they've elected. Well, Hillary Clinton, de Blasio. Name a conservative that represents the metropolitan New York area in Congress. Yeah, exactly. You've got <laughs> Schumer. You've got, uh, you've got uh, uh, what's that, uh, Nadler. I mean, you look, you, you just call them up, and it's like the who's who of, of Looney Tunes in the, uh, in the liberal left that have been coming out of New York. So when he said it and, and, and specifically said on this issue, on this issue, on this issue that conservatives are very strong on. New, New York, York is nowhere to be found. That's right. And you're not going to win New York. So by saying what he said, but then for him, for them to say, well, Donald kicked, kicked it out of the park by, by bringing up 9-11. Then he's saying, okay, what made 9-11 so successful out of, out of all that misery was the police and the fire department, the first responders, the transit police. Those were the heroes of that day. Those were the ones that really, really stood out. And, and he kind of inferred that you're insulting them. And if anybody has followed Ted Cruz, knows anything about Ted Cruz, the last people on earth he would ever slam as a member of the military, member of police, fire, or first responders. He is so on their side. In everything, but but he threw that out there in, a, in an inference kind of way, and the media all over the place took off on him, and they gave Trump a ride, and yet we have something. Do you have? Can you? Do you have the ability to play that? No, I don't, I, because we're not jacked in. Oh, oh, oh. Do you, well, let me see if I can. Maybe a little later we. I can, can play it on YouTube through this. I think. Mm -hmm. Well, here I've got the. What do you need? Um, I need an output jack. For this, it's uh, two two male ends, right? Um, yeah. Okay, got it right here. But anyway, what were your thoughts? Well, I just I, I want to go back just a second to who I think Donald Trump is playing to and why he's naive to what the real conservative movement is. I, I think Donald Trump's uh, I need another male um, idea of conservatives comes from a stereotype of sort of an Archie Bunker type. That, that he's playing to um, the or who he thinks a New York conservative would be. And that's not mainstream conservatism across the country. Um, no, that's a USB. Yeah, okay, plug USB. Not into there. No, but here. I think it's going to be easier to do it with the um, cell phone. But... No, I, I just don't I, I don't think Donald Trump has a great command this will work of uh, what mainstream conservatism is. I, I really don't. I, I don't think he ever has. And we're trying to we're trying to do something. I've, I've heard it on one show. Mark Levin's the only one that I've heard play it. And I think it's critical if we can pull it up. We're going to pull it up for you. But this gets back to the same thing. And basically it is nothing more than. Look, if you were, even if you espoused all the opposites of all the views back then, okay, and there's a good chance you may have, 
but to completely change on all of them. And then he even admitted that that's, I'm from New York. Those are the values. That's how we believe. That's how we think. Well, then why, why does he get a pass then on accusing Cruz and making it sound so bad about New York values? Because he said exactly that. And so to me, he didn't knock it out of the park there either. And I turned it off just at the very end. I didn't hear the whole Rubio exchange. But I know that after reading some of the transcripts of it, he brought up some good points. You know, you can't – listen, Rubio's done some good things. I would have no problem supporting Rubio. I would have a little more of a problem now because of the Zelensky-like tactics that, that uh, Donald Trump has taken. Um, but, I, but here's where I think the media is playing a big hand in this. If this had been anybody else, they probably would have just – run wild with finding the Donald's comments to, to, to Russert because things haven't changed a lot since he made those comments. And in fact, there was a straw poll taken in New York uh, on Saturday where it was a very reliable poll of Republicans in a very, how should I say, very strong conservative, not just strong conservatives, but very strong Republicans that, that really lead the Republican entourage, the, the small enclave in New York, and they came out and they said that Cruz won the point on the fact that it is New York values. There is, and, and nobody, how can anyone say, how can anyone say with a straight face that the average liberal in New York doesn't agree with abortion, they always agree with abortion, they always take, they, they're against guns, they're, they're just, you know, it's, it's one of those things where everything Cruz said was exactly right on, and yet he still got pilloried for it. And I, I, and I don't get that in the media because I'm listening to it from a debate standpoint. He won the point hands down in his response because he just said what everybody knows, and yet the media just made it sound like, well, he, Donald sounded so soft and sounded so caring and sounded so concerned about 9-11. What? What's 9-11 got to do with New York values? Yeah, they pulled themselves up by a bootstrap, but the, it's what they do. Okay, that's one good value. But then all the other values, the police, the fire, first responders, transit police, all those were very much issues that Cruz has always been very pro. And on all the important uh, conservative versus liberal issues, they are absolutely New York values of being to the liberal to the left side. I mean, look at the look at their mayor. I mean, that guy De Blasio is all over the place. Can you hear it? A little bit. It's It's got a bad uh that, that chirp in it. Yeah, it looks like we're not going to be able to uh, I think I see what the problem is. Maybe. Oh, you got the chirp out of it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was raised in New York and grew up and worked and everything else in New York City. But you would not ban it. No. Or ban Now, here's an interview with Tim, Tim Russert and Donald Trump. Oh, you got the chirp out of it. Yeah. You think gay should be a 
It's something I haven't done. You know, I was raised in a really young city that is a tremendous amount to have and allow me to It's something that is too premature for me to comment. How about gay serving the military? It would not disturb me. I mean, you think gay should be serving in New York City and Manhattan all my life? Yeah, the audio is bad, but um, that's that's basically how we do it. I just need to. We'll figure it out. Yeah. But anyway, so moving on from that point, uh, I thought the people that really did well, did better than average, uh, on the, was I think Rubio had a decent night. Not a great night. He had better nights, but he did all right. Um, him and Christie's exchange back and forth when he called Christie out. Um, and he was absolutely, got to say, that the, like for Sotomayor, he called Christie out saying, you voted for Sotomayor. He was, he was a supporter of Sotomayor's. There's numerous sources that said he did contribute to Planned Parenthood. Now, well, I think He was also pro-gun control. Yeah, I mean, There's nothing so. in Trump's background that leads me to believe that he would be... That was be, about Christie. That was oh, okay, a, Christie. Christie, yeah, uh, the Christie back and forth, because that got rather contentious between them. And, and Christie won the point until you go back and start looking at the facts, and he disregarded all of it and said it's all not true. So they said he won that he won that point. But when you go back and find out, yeah, what Rubio did say, well, a lot of it was true. See, I don't think I think they had to walk back the fact that Christie had such a great night. Do you think Christie could be a dark horse for the vice presidential? I not for a conservative, not for a true conservative. Well, they're not going to need. I don't think they're going to have to worry about that unless Rubio wins the uh, nomination. That they're going to then they're really going to have to find a conservative for the bottom of the ticket. But. And I don't think it will be Cruz. I don't think Cruz is going to be the vice presidential nominee no. for, 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 for Rubio. Or, uh, or Trump. Well, Although Trump wouldn't surprise me if he well, would try to mend he fences. He said that him. earlier yeah. in, in his campaign, but I don't think Trump's going to be around by then. I, I, think, I think we're starting to see the beginning of the end for him. I, I hope you're right because... Um, I, I just don't think that... Uh, I, I, I think people are starting to wake up and realize that um, this is all a game for him. And, and I go back to what I said way, way back last summer. This is nothing more than his intentional disruption and of, of, of the process in order to best facilitate a Clinton presidency. That's where he stands to make the most money. That's where he ah. stands to, 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 to that, that, that is what puts him in the best position is to have his friend in the White House and to be able to say that he played a hand in getting her there. And don't forget, people don't, People tend to forget, what network was Donald Trump on for a dozen years? Was it NBC? Yeah. He's in bed with NBC, and NBC is in <clears throat> bed with this administration. People people forget all of that because he gets... I, I, I don't... I, I guess, I, 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 in a way, I do understand the mentality of people, and it's very disappointing because people have short memories. They forget who this guy's in bed with and who he's been in bed with his entire life. Whoever's in power. Don't, who cares what comes out of his mouth? Don't, don't judge a guy based on what he says in front of a group of people. I mean, look based what happened when we did that. We elected a president twice in the last two campaigns by what he said. And then look what he does. You have to base it on what this guy has done and where he's been and who he's broke bread with. And if you look at that, there's nothing in his background that tells you he's going to be a strong supporter of conservative values. And, and he lies to people's faces. He st stood up there on that debate stage last Thursday and said that he's always been a big Second Amendment guy. No, he hasn't. He's been in favor of gun control most of his life.
Well, and this and see, these are the things that the media aren't calling out. They're not calling him on most of what he does. Now, on immigration, they had a big brouhaha, and they thought that was going to kill him. I think what's happened is the media is afraid of him. I think they're afraid of him. And I think now there's a choice between conservative, a real conservative in Ted Cruz and a, and a conservative of the moment in... Convenient in, conservative. Yeah, a convenient conservative, excellent, in uh, Donald Trump. And I think the media said, well, you know what? If it's going to come down to that, we'd rather have somebody we can we can deal with, and we can probably deal a lot easier with Trump than we can with, with. Because uh, well, he's Cruz. part of their game. He's part of their team. Yeah, I and, never and let the media pick your nominee. We, haven't no. we learned that by now? Oh God! It, it, if, if if the media is backing away from him and and they're not calling him out for things that they're calling other candidates out on, that tells you something right there. And, and I, I, we've gone down this road before. We went down this road with McCain when he was the darling of the media. And look how that happened, what, what happened with that. Bob Dole was a big hero, and, and he was the, the, the voice of reason, and he was a terrible candidate. Yeah. We, we can't go down that road. And, and I think the media fears a guy like Ted Cruz because he doesn't play by the rules. And here's another thing, too. As far as the— you By know, their as, rules. Yeah, their rules. That's right. Here's another thing to look at, too. If you look at all the people that were up there on the stage, I think Rand Paul did himself a disservice by not showing up. Well, he wasn't uh, well, for the early for, debate. Yeah, for, you know, he said, well, you know, I'm not going to be on that team. I think that hurt him. I think, uh, in fact, I read an article by a big Rand Paul supporter, and he said, listen, you better never do that again or you're absolutely out. Because there were a lot of people that were disappointed. Even if you're in the first. I mean, the first debate is not just kids – you know, it's, it's not the, the little kids. It's people that have points of view and substance, but you got to listen to them. And there's a lot of people that listen to the first debate. And he wasn't even there. He was a no-show. And regardless of whether he said, well, I'd, I get more strength by being out on the stump, you're not going to reach uh, in two hours on the stump. You may reach, his crowds aren't that big, maybe 500 to 1,000. Whereas if you're on that, you're going to reach millions with your point of view. I think it was just his way of saying, I'm not, since I got knocked off the main stage, I don't think it was fair, I'm just not going to show. And I think that's the perception, whether it's right or wrong, that's the perception. And that was the perception of the Rand Paul writer. He said, you know, you need to stand up and take it and then get back on the main stage. Knock it out of the park, get back on the main stage. Because there were some guys on the main stage that really, I, I, they said, here's another way the media twists it. Oh, Jeb had an excellent night, best night of all the debates. I don't know what Jeb Bush they were listening to, but he was so solid on all the issues. I didn't hear it, Greek. Did you? Uh, no, and, and I think people's minds are already made up about him. So the longer he stays in it, I think the more antagonistic people become towards him. I just didn't hear it, and I'm listening to people I, that I, I think, respect. I think, I think he could really he could do the party a great service because he does have the moderate support of the party. He does have the, the, the old guard of the party. Yes. He could, do the, he could do the party a great service if he were to drop out and throw his support behind either Rubio or Cruz. I, 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 there I, might I, have been a time where he might have done Rubio, but the way they've been going at each other the last few months, yeah, I don't know. But you never know. I mean, they all kiss yeah. and make up in the end, and, and, and I, think that, um, I think it would be a pride thing for him to have to, to step down and step away and throw his support to somebody so who considers his junior. Cruz had the best night. Uh, Christian Rubio... Yeah, they did. They did better for themselves. I thought. Uh, I thought Donald came in fourth. I don't think he did a lot for himself at all. 
despite the media saying, well, he won that one point, that's all they harped about. That's all they talked about was his one point on the on the 9-11 issue, which I thought was a bogus issue. Well, anytime you throw 9-11 into the mix, you're going to get the sympathies of people. Right. And, and, and the you're gonna, softer, kinder, yeah, gentler, gonna, Donald. You're going to have people side with you. But um, what, what I am anxious to see happen right now, because I think we're getting, obviously we're getting to the critical point. By the... By by the day by the Wednesday after Super Tuesday, we need to have a clear cut leader mm-hmm. for the nomination because we need a good four or five month period where we can have one person attacking the Democrats, primarily Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Um, it, the longer this infighting goes, the more I think ridiculous the party looks to anybody who is still sitting on the fence. And there's a lot of them. There were 40 percent. The last the last uh, I, I, research poll I, I saw in numbers, Iowa, 40 percent. That just blows my mind that by this point, in, in maybe people haven't even started to pay attention. You know, I guess people maybe. are too preoccupied with their everyday uh, life to, to, to sit down and start reading about these people and start doing a little bit of back research on, on who they want to support. But, um, you know, we're getting to that period now. I, I don't think anything's going to be 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 decided with Iowa or New Hampshire, but no. but what you have what, I think is it 14 primaries on Super Tuesday. Yeah. I think coming out of Super Tuesday, you should have a clear indication. And I think they will. I think all these guys are holding on to see what can happen, see if there's a miracle of the, of the Super Tuesday. But here's another thing too. I look at Greek. It's now that we're coming down to the to the wire. Now you're starting to see people come out with endorsements. I thought. That uh, you know, I've I've always liked Sarah Palin. I've never been a huge fan, but I always liked her. I thought her coming out, especially since she was always talking about, I am a strong, strong Tea Party conservative. I'm a conservative through and through. And then she throws her support for Trump, which tells me that in the back of my mind, I always thought there was something about Sarah I wasn't sure about. But she is a um, she's going with what she thought was the front runner. I think she was going. She wanted to give, she was hoping she was going to give Trump that boost that he's going to need so that she could, and he was so far in front, but she could claim that, you know, I, I, want, I was one of the early endorsers of him. And I don't think, because if she truly was what she says she was, a strong, true conservative, there's no way she could have gone for Trump. Well, or, you know, and, and so then the, then the governor of Iowa comes out and says, no, no, no. And you know what that all, that was all about the, the, uh, the, uh, the corn subsidies, subsidy. the yeah, ethanol. This, Ethanol and Cruz, he you know look, that's his views are his views, and I would much rather have a guy stand and and listen. Our debt is getting so insane. We're going to have to start looking at subsidies. We're going to have to look at a lot of things to start cutting this debt because the Republicans in Washington aren't doing anything. They're just piling more debt on top of more debt, and so you've got to start looking at things. I think subsidies is something we have to look at. Entitlements we have to look at. These are very, very serious issues that we have to look at, but nobody wants to talk about. Well, everybody for for generations now has just kicked the can down the road, and mm-hmm. and I've never been a proponent of of corn subsidies for ethanol. It's um, th- th- first of all, there's something fundamentally wrong with the notion of of burning your food to uh, to produce fuel. Um, there are corn ethanol is not even a great fuel. It's not an efficient fuel. It's it, it's damaging to the components in in, in a motor. Um, engine life is cut short by using corn. Uh, sugar ethanol is, is better if you're going to use ethanol. But um, there are other ways of uh, we you know we, we we 
we have the technology now through biofuels to make fuel out of ga- out of garbage. Yeah. That um, to Reese me, has turned. Uh, you know, just sure. Uh, you know, it, it, it's gotten to a point now where the price of used oil has gone up significantly. Where they're paying actually instead of you paying companies to take it away, they're actually taking it away and giving you money back. Yeah. They're putting a lot of these restaurants that use a lot of fryers actually have locks on their on their containers because people are coming by and stealing it. Yeah. I mean, so they used to give it away. Yeah. So it's 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 very very interesting. So. <clears throat> Okay, we pretty much. I thought Kasich, Kasich did absolutely nothing. He said the same old tired stuff. When I, I'm a governor of Ohio, and Ohio, you need to win Ohio, and I'm the one that can win Ohio, and you know he he's once again he fall he slips back into the rhino mode. Um, you know he, he him and Christie both took lots and lots of money for Medicare, took lots and lots of money that their that their state governments are going to have to start paying back down the road. They took the money to get out of the debt, kick it down the road, and then some other poor schmuck is going to come in there, and they're going to have to pay for it. <clears throat> and so he did nothing. He was unimpressive. I thought the guy, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but the guy that just had the worst, Ben Carson, man. He just Yeah, and, you know, he had a, a tragedy in his campaign yeah, in yeah. Iowa, and he sort of suspended his campaign in, in Iowa temporarily yeah, because I think texas wasn't or something no, it was in oh, i don't know where it happened i but think yeah there it were was the four leading people got uh, in a bad wreck yeah um no he uh he's too cerebral and and, and uh, i don't think he's comfortable speaking in public plus and, his note cards man get yeah. off the note cards yeah, he, he he relies too much on his, and his you know preparation it, until we brought that up i didn't hear anybody talk about it but now I was I was following uh, Conservative Review, which is a. I don't think he's comfortable up there. Yeah, and uh, I think that's why he relies on his notes so much. And plus, it's you know he he wants to make sure he doesn't slip up because he knows he's going to get lambasted if he does, and uh, like like Trump, two Corinthians. <laughs> you know, I mean. There you have it. There you have it. That two Corinthians down there, right yeah, there, keeps, yeah, you know, yeah. pointing down to the paper. And, they, they, and the media gave a gave a, a laugh, should. a ha ha, and then everybody dropped it. Nobody said anything, but he's a good Christian. Yeah, he's. But, but Carson doesn't have that luxury. Why doesn't do somebody just else? ask him? Well, well, what church do you go to, and and who's the the pastor there? Don't confuse him. Oh, he's got one. Oh, he's got that answer. I'm sure. I'm sure. Now, when was the last time he went? Uh, you um, know. But no, getting back to the Sarah Palin thing with him yeah. before we leave that alone, I think that's going to hurt Trump more than than uh, she's become sort of a cartoonish character in in and of herself. And I don't think that there, there's a lot of weight. I, I, I think the people who, who still fondly look at, at Sarah Palin mm-hmm. are probably already in the Trump camp mm-hmm. to begin with. So I don't think he's going to add anybody by that and endorsement. I don't think the governor, because the governor right now, I, I don't think he's really at the top of his polls. He's been there for a while, but he's not, he's not doing really well. He's <laughs> the longest serving governor in the country. Yeah, he? why he jumped in like that. And, because and, of the ethanol, and you know you can't, you cannot be a one-trick pony. You can't just do that. And I know he's doing it for his state, and I know he's trying to cover up for his state. But we've got to remember: this is the country. This is the future of our country. The future of our constitution. The future of our American way of life. Our values. And but <laughs> but, he, but he's the governor of a state where he he's, he doesn't have any aspirations beyond that no so his only concern is to keep the people in his state happy and to say the things that are going to keep them happy um but i i don't think that resonated very very well with with mainstream conservatives no it didn't protecting the ethanol 
subsidy. And another thing, too, I, you go into New Hampshire. New Hampshire has a, is a very small state. really doesn't mean squat. They're very liberal. And, and I was going to say, when was the last time the GOP carried uh, New Hampshire in the general election? Maybe Reagan? Because uh, Reagan carried 49 states. Yeah, I, it, it may be. You may have to go back that far. M maybe, maybe Bush 41 carried as a third term for Reagan. He may have carried that state as well. But uh, you know, but they're, traditionally, they're, they're traditionally a, bl a blue state. Yeah, and so who who jumps up? Kasich jumps up. Now in only one poll did he jump up 20 points. I said, oh please. Yeah, he's still 12 or 15 points behind Trump. You know, he, there's a, that's a state where he could run third. I don't think he's going to finish that high. I think it's going to probably be. It's probably going to be Trump. It's probably going to be uh, uh, Christie, and I think it's going to be Rubio. I think maybe Rubio Kasich fourth. I, I think Rubio will finish second in in, uh, in New Hampshire, and I I, I think Christie spent a lot of time though, a lot of time and money in New Hampshire well, that's, because that's, that's true. what he wants. You know, that's going to be his one where he can say, "See, you can see? hang on a little longer." Yeah, hang on a little longer, and I think that's what these guys are going for now. When is the New Jersey primary? Do you know? New Hampshire or New Jersey? New Jersey. New Jersey, good I'm Lord, gonna look I don't it up. know. Um, but anyway, so I thought the losers on that on that stage, the ones who, who were the least impressive, were uh, Bush again, Kasich again, and I thought Ben Carson sunk to the sunk to the bottom tier that that time. I I, I just don't think that was that was what he what he needed to uh, move his move his needle, and uh, it's a it's a real tragedy, and I I really 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 um, feel sorry for the fact that his a big, uh, you know, four members of his team got in that bad wreck, and and I, uh, you know, our prayers go out to him and his family and to to the families of those that were involved in the wreck, because I think one has already passed away. But um, you know, so to me, I put Donald Trump in the middle, and I put Bush, Kasich, and Carson at at, at the bottom. I, I would definitely say tr uh, that that Crump uh, that um, Cruz won the. One day well, debate. what was interesting, uh, Frank Luntz's group, and, and, you know, they are, a, they are a, a collected group of people that he brings in. And a number of them went into the thing, went into that debate, and they had to declare who they were for. And Trump had a number of supporters there. Cruz had a number of supporters, Rubio, everything else. And at the end of the debate, he said, ordinarily, I asked for a show of hands. But he said, after hearing what everybody said after the debate, I'm going to go by acclamation. All those that thought... You tell me who you thought won the debate. It was unanimous Cruz. And yet the media afterwards, if you listen to the spin, and that's why Levin mentions it a lot. He never listened to the after spin, you know, because they're, gonna, they're for their own, their own agendas and everything else. They're going to spin it any way they want to. But I thought what was interesting was there's, there's twice where the focus group that is – that is very mixed has come out and said that Cruz has had an exceptional day. And they all said, and these were all, you know, Iowa voters, and they all said that they, they, they would feel much more comfortable voting for Cruz because they thought not only did he address the issues that were put against him, but he answered them in a very good way. And not one of them mentioned anything about the New York values. That's been a media spin and a media. Because where's the media based? They take it personally and he because, said that. because the truth hurts. Yeah. Uh, the New Jersey primary is not until June 7th. It's, it's the same day as California. Christie will be gone by then. Yeah, that, that's too late to stay in there. And I don't know with his numbers. I don't know if he'd, <laughs> I don't know if he'd win his own state. You know, that's, uh, that's, that, that would be very, He very may want to be out before that. Yeah, he, he definitely would be because that would, 
if he was in the running. So I think, okay, so let's say by one week after Super Tuesday, who do you think we're going to be down to a field of four? Let's say you're four. Uh, I don't think that Bush is going to get out. So I would say that my four would be Trump, Cruz, Rubio, and Bush. Yeah. I, 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 Bush isn't going to get out because he's in it. He's because they've always been pinging on about not having the heart and everything else. I think he's forced now to go as long as he absolutely positively can. Well, Florida's not until the 15th. So that's after Super Tuesday. He, he probably will stay in at least through there. Uh, and then if you, if you continue to look state. down. Yeah, that is, it's a very important state. Um, really, the next big state after that isn't until all the way until April uh, 19th when you have New York. Uh, you have some smaller ones in between you know, Alaska and Hawaii. Arizona, um, Ohio is uh, the same day as Florida, so that's a pretty big day. Yeah, I, I would think that. I um, think Kasich might get a better sense for where he's at too. March fifteenth, which is um, two days before St. Patrick's Day, yeah. I think you'll see um, th that'll be the big day. That that's Iowa, that's Florida, Illinois, Missouri, which is a swing you mean state. Ohio, uh, Ohio, Ohio. I'm sorry, uh, Ohio, Florida, Illinois, Missouri, North Carolina. And the uh, Northern Mariana Islands. Oh, whoever pulls the Northern Marianas, they got a shot. <laughs> <laughs> they have they have nine delegates to the convention. Well, it's going to be very very interesting. But then, of course, so I think we're in agreement. I don't think that the endorsements Trump picked up were anything real big. Um, he had John Wayne's family, you know, support him. But I mean, really, I mean, once again, actors and I, I love John Wayne, and I I know he was a conservative, but still. But how long did John Wayne live in Iowa? Didn't he move away when he was probably a teenager? Yeah, because he was out in he went to Southern California. Cal, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so that's the uh, Republican debate. And we will mention, of course, that you're listening to What's Your Point? Live from Cutter Cigar Emporium on a frosty day today. Overcast, drizzly, rainy, sleety. <laughs> we're, mix. In the, we're in the storm center. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, yeah we're, we're kind of hunkered down here. But there's no, no place better to be hunkered down than Cutter Cigar Emporium on Windward Parkway because... It's warm and toasty in here. And by the way, did you notice anything different about Lou? Um, the 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 Farrah Fawcett look she's got going on. I, I mean, Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, listen, I never got to see Farrah Fawcett. I get to see Lou. Nice hair. I mean, it's. I mean, Dale, 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 Dale. Oh, if you could be here, buddy. <laughs> I'm sorry you can't be. Um, well, maybe I'm not because you never know with Dale. You know, he might go, he might, he might go off the deep end. A little icky balooky there. Yes, well, I don't know. Now, don't say that about Aardvark. He's, <laughs> he, he's a great guy. Aardvark, too. Yes. Who's uh, Aardvark 1? Well, I was anteater. Oh, you were the anteater? Yeah, for obvious reasons. But, it's, it, you know, it's, it, just, it just goes to show that, that, I mean, hair can make the person. I mean, she was, she was a wonderful person before, but this was really a nice look. And I've seen some people whose hair changes. There, there's one guy I know who, uh, who got his head shaved by accident. And, uh, How you know, you get he your actually head looks shaved accident? Well, he tells them he wants it one way, and they, they misunderstood. But anyway, you know, it, it, it actually looks good on him. So sometimes hair changing can look good on people. Uh, other times it can be disastrous. Just saying. But anyway, a shout-out to Lou. I, I think the hair is nice. The look is nice. And. I'm sure we'll have pictures that'll. This would not be up. a bad place to get snowed in. Uh, no, it wouldn't. I no. mean, yeah, <laughs> I did last year. I, did I, you? I, I hung in there. I think it was the day that I bailed. Yeah, the day you bailed, I hung in there, and then uh, a good friend of mine helped me out and get a room across the street uh, because, and the beast told me she goes, now whatever you do, you better get out of there early. Ah, no, I, 
And sure enough, but we had snow then. This well, is just. People listening in other parts of the country laugh at Atlanta when we have these, these weather yeah. uh, calamities. But if you've ever been on the roads here, when it's just raining and traffic is a nightmare, uh, you put just a quarter of an inch of ice down on the road. And a tenth of an inch. And it's, and it's panic. But, um, you know, and i, I got to tell you, I, I was. It's really the only fun thing that we have to look forward to this time of the year in Atlanta because after the holidays you're kind of you go into that that fun. rut. Well, it's it it's it's a little you know it's like the mystery. You don't know what days you're going to have snow days or when you're going to have ice. It's kind of just thrown in there as like an extra holiday or two. And uh it's it's really between now and the Daytona 500, well other than the Super Bowl, there's really not a whole lot to get excited about. And uh th those snow days kind of thrown in there kind of keep everything interesting well in five minutes john will be here with our cigar of the week and uh we will uh, bring you up to date on the best cigars that are out well, we there we do have some fun events coming up here though um this month we've got another one coming up uh next week i think the 28th next thursday a week from tomorrow yep it's ashton be event oh man and ashton events are always always popular and you know on i i guess it's a good thing to be Used to be we'd have events, we'd have a good turnout. You'd have to bring out a couple extra chairs, you know. Now the events are getting so crazy where they're piling in so many people, they're pulling out all the chairs. Every you know everybody people bring just, their own chairs. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy, but that's because the events are so much fun, and this place has gotten such a reputation now. And now of course, you don't have to be just standing there with nothing in your hands but a soda. Now you can stand there with a cigar. And a fine scotch, a fine bourbon, a fine glass of wine. You can, uh, or fine ginger beer, which your ginger beer here is really good. Excellent. And you wait, just wait until the weather starts to break. Oh. And we start to see a few warm days. You know, in March we get those days where it creeps into the 70s. Yeah. You're going to have people in that parking lot. They're going to be all over this place. Yeah, it's going to be great. But anyway, so when we come back after the cigar, we'll touch on the... Uh, We'll touch Democratic on the Democratic. Debate. Of course, that won't take nearly as long. The stealth debate. <laughs> because they, they're so proud of their candidates, they hide the debates when nobody's watching. I, they've, I, they've, they've had, what, two Saturday debates. One was against an NFL primetime game, and it was a major market game. It was yeah. like the Jets. It, it, was, it was a major market, two major market teams playing. And uh, then, then a Sunday night debate where typically you don't have a lot of people watching TV. And I don't even think a lot of people knew about the debate. Well, it's it's been it's been the quietest, it's been the quietest debates because and O'Malley and Bernie will say it's the DNC trying to cover for Hillary, and 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 there could be an argument, there could be a case made for that, because the less she has to get in front of people, the better off she is because while her people think she is great in front of audiences, she doesn't play very well. And, and although I will say this, I thought Bernie Sanders, in a, well, we'll get into that in the, in the next hour, but you are listening to What's Your Point live from Cutter Cigar Emporium in Alpharetta, Georgia. And Greek, I got to tell you, the, the <coughs> Democratic debate, I listened to about an hour, hour and 10 minutes. I just couldn't take it anymore. I know we're supposed yeah. to hang in there. It just I, I watched the whole thing. I, I you have to know your enemy. I always say that. You, I know, you but must it, know your enemy. We do. I mean, it, how many ways can you blame uh, well, the millionaires gonna, and the billionaires. That's right. He's going to he's going to dissolve the big banks, which of course he can't do. All right, he can't do that. Uh, 
there is no way unless he gets a Democrat in the House and Senate that's ever going to happen. But it sounds good. Once again, it's well, style does, over substance. He's got a he's got a very difficult um, road to hoe because he doesn't even have the support of the party he's running with. Uh, they don't know what to do with him. No, they really don't. And and it's kind of fun to sit back in a way and watch because um, he does have a populist message. And and I do honestly think that he has integrity in so much as he believes in oh, what I'm sure he's, he does. And, and he he's got the track record to back it up. He this is oh, something yeah. he this is th- things that he has believed his entire uh, professional even before that career. And he was when he was in college. He was a, he was a leftist whack job in college. I mean, he hasn't. If 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 anybody has stayed true to his t- true to his feathers. That would be Bernie. And he's, mean, you have to give him credit. First of all, you, you can't look at it from just your perspective. You have to look at right. it, take yourself out of, out of your, your frame of thought. Right. And he's, he's well-educated on the subject. You know, he, he does know what he's talking about in so much as, as, as from, his, from his point of view. He, 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 he's, he's comfortable and he has a command of his side of the story whereas hillary just jumps you know from one position to the next desperate and, and to me just looks desperate for anything she can grab onto to 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 gain support it's it's I, I there's no other word to use but it's pitiful it really it's pandering it, it, at it's, its so at its the, the pandering last week was just terrible and we're going to get into that but first it's time for the cigar of the week, and sitting in for a luscious Lou as he does whenever it's his turn up in the in the batter's box. He was down in uh, ninety degree weather last week. Yeah, we're gonna have to get a quick. It is John Sandella, and John, welcome. Thank you very much. Now, it's good to be here. You had a very unique opportunity. I did. I um, spent just under a week in Esteli, Nicaragua, at um, a guest of Nick Perdomo and the Perdomo Factory. Went down there with Russ, and there was there was a group of us uh, from either um, retailers or customers, totaling 30 from the southeast region, and we spent spent three days in Esteli, one day in Managua before, and one day after. We the big the the best word I can use to describe the trip was educational. It really is. Um, Russ talked to me about other trips he'd been on, and he said, bar none, this was the most educational, more in-depth, opening the doors, pulling back the the shade, so to speak. And Nick talked to us about every facet of his his production from seed to finished product. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was very enlightening, very – I enjoyed it immensely. Well, and, and since you're in the retail business, uh, the retail cigar business, it was a great learning experience for you. Absolutely. And Absolutely. It, it was like when I went to uh, when I went down there a couple of years ago to Esteli, I always had an appreciation for cigars, but I never really understood. I mean, I'd hear people just constantly, $10 for a cigar. Rah, rah, rah. And then you see, and, and what I took away from my trip down there was you've got over three years, usually three years or more, that these people have been sitting on product that they can't sell. And they sit on that product for three years that they've got investments in. And then on top of that, all the we figured it out between 300 and 325 sets of hands touch that $10 cigar before it gets to market. 
Now you take that three years plus all the hands that touch it, and you get down to the to the ten dollars for a cigar. It's that that's it's a steal, especially with the quality of the cigars. And you connect that to what the those hands that made that cigar, what they get for doing that, mm -hmm. in comparison to that's, that's how they keep it at ten bucks a stick. <laughs> uh, 